Welcome to AM Best Audio. I'm John Weber for Best Review Magazine, and I'm speaking today with Art Randolph, artist principal and consulting actuary, Pinnacle Actuarial Resources. Art, so glad you could join us today. John, thanks for having me. And we're going to be talking about the Florida homeowners market. Art, what are the market forces that caused Florida homeowners insurance companies to go insolvent in recent years? Sure, John. And and just for count, since 2019, there has been 10 insolvencies in the Florida homeowners market. Um, what's interesting of note is that those 10 insolvencies represent about 45% of the total property and casualty insolvencies that occurred countrywide during that same time frame. But those 10 insolvencies, that count is actually muted in the sense that a number of these companies were acquired because they were distressed or for companies that were part of a larger insurance group, they were consolidated for a surplus gain. But there was a confluence of events that impaired many of the insurers in the Florida market. Um, First and notably is assignment of benefits abuse. And Florida is, is very unique in terms of how they treat assignment of benefits or AOB for short in other states in that a homeowner in Florida can assign his or her benefits to a contractor, an attorney, um, to resolve a case for them. But where that abuse was was notable was in particular where it got its start was in non-catastrophe water damage type claims. So, you know, the, the proverbial example that we tend to give is, you know, a homeowner has a, a, a hose bust off their washer and floods their basement. Typically, what would otherwise be a $4,000 claim um, to have a water remediation company come out, put up new drywall, et cetera, have ballooned in severity to $20,000, $30,000 because claims are overstated. Or the second element of this is Florida's litigious environment. So then the attorneys get involved um, as part of a claim on behalf of a homeowner. And one of the unique statutes in Florida is related to one-way attorney's fees. So if it's found that a homeowner's insurance company underpaid a claim, even if that claim is by a dollar, that the plaintiff can then sue the insurance company for all of the plaintiff's attorney's fees. And it, it sort of gets demonstrated in when we did a comparison of defense and cost containment expenses for Florida homeowners carriers relative to their peers in other states, most other states, the median defense and cost containment expense ratio relative to earned premium is typically anywhere between 1% and 1.3%. In Florida, in in 2023 specifically, the DCC ratio was almost nine times that of the countrywide median. The other contributing factor to what's transpired in, in the Florida homeowners market is an increase in not only the frequency, but also the severity of hurricanes and other convective storms. Those, those facts combined then created sort of this really hard reinsurance market, escalating reinsurance costs um, coupled with um, higher catastrophe and per-risk excess of loss treaty attachment points. So not only were these insurance companies paying more for insurance by rate, They were also having to retain higher layers because the reinsurance community was pulling away from more of the active layers. And then ultimately, all of this cascaded into rate inadequacy, which was also fueled by regulatory hurdles. Um, Now, 
me saying regulatory hurdles is not to imply that regulation in Florida is unfair or, or unduly burdensome. It's that for insurance companies in Florida, if they were to request a rate increase greater than 15 percent, that automatically triggers a rate hearing. So when we did an exam of a number of the, the filings that have been put in place in, in the recent years, it's it's eerie that a lot of the rate filings are, say, for 14.9 percent, so as not to trigger a rate hearing. What are the challenges the surviving homeowners insurance companies face? I would suspect, John, that one of the things in, that will occur is interpretive challenges to this new legislation. And, and maybe for, for background, there were a number of things that this legislation intended to curb. One of it was one thing was to repeal one way attorney's fees. Um, the other thing was to abolish the use of assignment of benefits provisions in these in these insurance company contracts. And it was also to reduce citizens, property insurance corporations, competitiveness in the marketplace, which I'll I'll touch on here in a minute. Um, But as it stands and the insurance community is interpreting this new legislation that was passed in late 2022, is that the legislation only applies to policies that were effective on January 1, 2023 and subsequent. Which leaves some gray area because then that means that there are a, a, a cohort of claims that a lot of these insurance companies still have to contend with that go, that don't get the protection of this new legislation. And speaking to that, in March of this year, sorry, in April of this year, there were approximately 300,000 new lawsuits filed in just the month of April, um, which is sort of a sign that the, the plaintiff's bar sees that this new legislation has some of the teeth that had been intended by prior legislation that aren't that isn't that has not had similar impacts. But other challenges that these same companies have is surplus erosion. You know, a lot of that again is due to rate inadequacy and higher than expected losses, i.e. adverse development. The other challenge sort of related to that is a lot of these companies, a lot of the legacy companies had been pushing through or pulling in a lot of new capital to try to support their balance sheets. But for a lot of the legacy companies, a lot of that capital is dried up. And also the cost of that capital is much higher than for, say, newer formed insurance companies. To that end, the other challenge is going to be this enhanced competition which is coming primarily from new insure tech companies, as well as companies that have formed as reciprocals. Primarily, these new companies, they have clean balance sheets. What that what I'm implying there is that these new companies don't have the same legacy liabilities that the current companies face. These new companies also will have greater cost, greater access to capital, and conceivably that capital will be cheaper than for the more for the legacy companies. One thing that we are seeing that was part of the legislation, but I would anticipate that will continue to happen is probably a more enhanced focus on regulatory scrutiny. Um, Again, the state has endured 10 insolvencies in the last four, four plus years. And obviously, there's going to be an emphasis by the state and legislators to ensure that that those insolvencies sort of come to an end pretty quickly here. So how is the marketplace responding to the recent Florida legislation? Interesting. We've seen a number of new entrants come into the marketplace. Um, in times past, when I say in times past, in the last several years, um, myself, um, my colleagues within Pinnacle and others that serve the Florida homeowners market 
have always pondered what must the environment be or what would otherwise be the motivation for new companies to enter the state, given the challenges that it's had. And I think the answer has been this this new legislation, because what we've seen is four new companies formed late in 2022 and five new companies forming in 2023. Um, I had mentioned earlier about Citizens Property and Casualty Insurance Corporation. And, and for note, that is the residual market mechanism, sort of the insurer of last resort in Florida. Um, and what we're seeing is a depopulation of citizen, which is basically part of their takeout program where um, the private market can um, request a certain number of policies be taken out of citizens for them to then write directly on their own paper. Um, of note, just for comparison, back in 2018, citizens had about 427,000 policies in force, but that number grew exponentially to 1.4 million as recently as of August 31st of this year. And obviously for a residual market mechanism, the, the emphasis is not on growth. The emphasis is to try to depopulate to get a lot of those policies into the primary market. However, Citizens, as it stands today, is the largest Florida insurer for the lines that it writes, which I think correlates to the challenges in the Florida homeowners market. But again, one of the things that we're seeing is thus far, there have been 480,000 takeouts approved in 2023 coming from nine companies. Now, those 480,000 takeouts, those are just what's approved and not necessarily what those companies will take out. But just the volume of interest in getting policies out of citizens is a is a natural consequence of this legislation. Art, what impacts do you anticipate as a result of the recent Florida legislation? Yeah. And as I said, I, I, I would expect new entrants and maybe let me define those a little bit better in that it's not just new formations or new company formations in the state of Florida, but also geographic expansion into Florida for current for companies that currently do that do not write in the state. I would expect that there's also and, and we're already starting to see this a an increased interest from the capital markets community, primarily in, in the form of insurance linked security deals. We're also seeing increased reinsurance capacity. One of the things as an actuary that I actually hope with some cautious optimism um, will be a direct outgrowth from this from this legislation will be that rates will get closer to being what we would consider to be actuarially sound. Um, in Florida, I think for those that aren't in the Florida market, again, the, the, the key loss driver folks anticipate is, is from hurricanes. But these companies have been saddled by non-win loss cost trends that approximate high single digit to low double digits continuously over the last five to six years. So as as the, the legislation starts to take effect, we would expect to see those loss cost trends start to abate and get back to what we would consider to be normal loss cost trends for a homeowner's book of business, coupled with lower reinsurance costs. Now, that's that's always a gray area because you never know how the reinsurance community is going to respond to, again, heightening, more frequent, more severe hurricane type of events. What I would also expect is for those companies that have survived over the last several years, probably an emphasis or renewed emphasis on risk selection and underwriting. Um, the other part of the legislation that I, I think will will come through here shortly will be a reduced competitive position for citizens. Um, right now, citizens has market 
has prices or rates that are well below market value. So as citizens gets its rates sorted back up to where the market is, that should stimulate more depopulation activity. What are other current conditions that companies writing homeowners insurance in Florida should be concerned about? Sure. And, and again, maybe the contrast here is is comparing the legacy companies to the to the newly formed entities in that the legacy companies still, even despite this new legislation, still have to contend with tail risk, i.e. claims that are on these companies' books that aren't going to have the benefit of this new legislation. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, just the sheer preponderance of, of lawsuits that were filed earlier this year certainly suggests that these companies um, will will have challenges in assessing what their reserves position should be um, for for policies again that didn't incept on one one twenty twenty three. Um, second and sort of correlated to that is how will these companies now um, determine their their rates going forward? Because the last several years have been saddled with um, high hurricane losses, convective storms, um, assignment of benefit um, type issues. Uh, an aggressive uh, plaintiff's bar, which has increased their um, defense cost spend. So it, it's going to be challenging, but I, I'm, I'm sure that these companies will find very savvy ways to, to determine what their rates should be going forward in consideration of this new legislation. Um, but I, I bring up the plaintiff's bar maybe one last time just to suggest that part of the Florida lexicon for years has been um, that the Florida market is sort of like a whack-a-mole where you know, when one problem or one challenge gets resolved, something else seems to to creep its head up that creates a new challenge for the marketplace. So as an example, um, and without going into a lot of detail, back in 2012, um, the state was having significant issues with sinkhole-related claims. Those sinkhole-related claims aren't the same type of catastrophic ground collapse claims that you and I would think of. But nonetheless, these claims were um, maybe not so much high frequency claims, but they were high severity claims relative to the type of damage caused. And as soon as those sinkhole issues went away was when assignment of benefits started. So I think there's a lot of optimism in the marketplace. Don't want to trivialize that at all. But I think there is guarded optimism about, you know, will the creative plaintiff's bar find another way to, to further deteriorate the underwriting results for these companies? Art, pleasure speaking with you today. John, pleasure's all mine. That was Art Randolph, Principal and Consulting Actuary, Pinnacle Actuarial Resources. And I'm John Weber for Best Review Magazine. Looking to get the attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms to do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day, Find out more by contacting our Advertising Services Business Development Team at 908-882-1706.